one of the reasons why this lesson is so very, very important to us is for us to be able to understand our standing. And at the end of this lesson, there, whether we'll actually get into it today or not, I'm not sure, but I have put an addition to lesson six um, called Standing in State. And, um, and really everything here has to do with this. You don't need to turn to it if you don't want to. It's just that we may, we may not get into that part of it. But it's vitally important for us as Christians to have a handle on this thing <coughs> of where we stand with God. And to understand that where we stand with God is one of those things that has been has been accomplished. We need to be able to believe it and accept it, but it's something that God has done for us. There's a, a little story about Billy Graham in that um, someone had said to him, is, if, if Christianity is a viable religion, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Billy Graham thought a minute and he said, well, why is it that the world is full of soap and there's so many dirty people? <laughs> and then he said, Christianity, like soap, has to be applied for it to do any good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So here's the, here's the thing about, about our standing in state. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to be able to apply that day after day. We'll get into this further. I want to get into it. There's some really good stuff in this, in this lesson. But, but what we need to know from the get-go is that we have this real enemy, and he will attack you here as much as he'll attack you anywhere because he's going to say to you, you're no good, you're not worth it, you always mess up, you don't have, God must just absolutely be sick of you. You know, you just come back again and again and again praying and asking for forgiveness and years and, and you know, you've just lost it. You're no good with God. That's condemnation and condemnation doesn't come from God. God brings correction, but not condemnation. So let's get into it and let's understand here what our standing was and what it is. Lesson five is in Adam. Adam's sin affected each part of his being, his spirit, his soul, and his body. And I want to take a quick look at those. Uh, his spirit is cut off from God's life. And, and again, we said this a couple of weeks ago and I'll keep repeating it. And it is that... When sin entered, it wasn't that God moved away from man. Now, matter of fact, what, what man did is very significant in that he hid. You remember that God says, where are you, Adam? As if he didn't know. Um, so God's looking for the man that's <coughs> pulled away from God. And that's what sin does. When we have this attitude of don't tell me what to do, we have the attitude of, you can't be God in my life. I'll be my own God. You can't be God in my life, which pushes God out of the way. And that's why uh, man's spirit is cut off 
from the Spirit of God. It's not cut off because God intended for it to be cut off. It's cut off because our sin prevents us from allowing God to be God in our life. And it just affects the soul. There's some stuff written up there, and I, I guess I'll leave it alone. Um, but again, I think I've drawn it for you before. I take a little picture of a chair and uh, uh, symbolize a throne. Uh, when we're talking about the soul, we're talking about self, the inner part of man, uh, our self. Yeah. And again, I'll remind you, I hope that as you use the word myself, that you begin to think in terms of the two separate words, separate them in your mind, my self, self, self on the throne, self looking out for self, selfishness <coughs> is part of what we inherit from Adam, selfishness, that's very much what Adam's sin is, is that he's going to do it himself. You're not going to make, he made up his mind not to listen to God. He makes a mistake a lot of us do, listen to his wife instead. I'll dodge But the fact is, is that no man or no woman is supposed to put the other above God. God comes first. That has to be. And then, of course, the body is affected by the fact that death entered. Um, over on your, and down a little ways on that first page there, there's some numbers, one, two, three, four, five. I just want to hit on those separately, uh, quickly. I mean, um, he's separated from the life of God, spiritually dead. He is in the kingdom of darkness. Uh, by taking sides with the first rebel, Satan, who was Lucifer, you come into this kingdom of darkness, and his heart became darkened, and he took the whole human race into that darkness. He is a sinner. As created by God, Adam was a God-centered man. He loved God and wanted to do God's will. God was king upon the throne of his heart. And after he sinned, he wanted to do his own will. So self was now on the throne. And Adam now had a sinful nature. You remember in class one and two, we talked about the nature of God. Well, here we... Here we see the same word being used now for Adam, but he's, instead of having this godly nature, instead of having a nature that's full of the attributes of God, loving and kind and truthful and so forth, uh, he's got his own nature. It's a sinful nature, and that's passed on to self-centered people. <coughs> Number four, he is now under the power of sin. Whoever commits sin is a servant of sin. And number five, he's condemned to death. So these, one other thing, I want to read this one paragraph here and then we'll get out of five. Every person in Adam is guilty before God. Some people may think that they are acceptable to God as they are, but God says otherwise. He knows the hearts of men, and concerning Adam's race, he has this to say. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. There is none that does good, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, we see that, that 
the term I want to use is complete ruin. We see that man in Adam is completely ruined. Sin completely ruined the race that we call the children of Adam, the people of Adam, which, by the way, includes me and you. Ah, until the good news comes. Turn the page. But understand this, and I don't want to leave there without saying this, that this thing about standing, standing before God, how does God see us, is the term. So we want to be sure that we understand that for the lost world that's out there, and hopefully it'll pull at our heartstrings, is that those people are in Adam. God sees them as in Adam. So what does he see when God looks at one of those people who are in Adam? None good, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of them is self-centered. Every one of them has self on the throne. I don't know what it was from. It was on the news, but we watch Fox News, so I don't know <coughs> much of the other guys. But um, somebody was doing a survey among college kids, people, um, about whether or not they believed in God or Christianity or the Bible. I was amazed at some of the things these people said. But one of, them, one of them really stuck out in my mind. I was interviewing a very handsome young woman and an intelligent-looking young woman. And she was saying, and I wish I could remember her words exactly, but she was saying, well, you know, that's just uh, ridiculous that anybody would believe a book that's over 2,000 years old and full of fairy tales and, and such. And she says, so no, I don't believe in that. And she says, and everybody that I see that goes to church are worse than the people I know that don't. They're all liars and hypocrites. And she says, I don't have any use for any of them. And she says, so no, I don't go to church and I don't believe in Christianity. I'm not stupid. That's what she said. Uh, whoa, is that what we've raised, see? Is that what our society, I think a lot of what's happening there is that our society took God and the Bible out of school. This girl should have known better than that when she was six or seven years old, but she doesn't. And the one thing that I think it really needs to be able to do to me and you is that we ought, rather than to be appalled, we ought to be hurt. We ought to have a, we ought to have a, a heart to want to reach out to her. Uh, I, I wish I had an opportunity to have a sit down one-on-one -on -one conversation with that young woman. But that's where it's at. God sees them just that way until somebody comes along with the gospel. Lesson six, in Christ. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one <coughs> shall many be made righteous. Romans 5.19. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're going to get into both of these sections in a minute. 
Therefore, if any man be, catch the term, in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Precious. I want to read this next paragraph for you. <clears throat> God created the first man, Adam, because he wanted a race of people who would glorify him. But Adam rebelled against God. We've seen the terrible results of Adam's disobedience. The big question is, how could a race of now sinful men glorify God and fulfill his purpose? The answer is they could not. But God's purpose had not changed. He still wanted a race of people who would glorify him. How would he bring this about? Through another man. Since the first man, Adam, had failed, there had to be a second man who would glorify God, and God chose his own son to be this second man. Quoting from Corinthians, and by the way, you may have a typo or something there. It's supposed to be uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47. The first man is, the, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. But what I want to capitalize on right here is, is you see where it says God's purpose has not changed? Right there in the middle of the paragraph. That, that's what I want us to kind of capitalize on here for a minute. Because what I hope you can see in that, think about that statement, if you will, and think about all that has transpired. That God created man out of love wanting, desiring this loving relationship. The whole thing to be centered in and around love and the love that God portrays when he made this man. And then you see that God loved him enough to let him have a choice. And of course, we know the results of that that man failed. But God's purpose had not changed. Can you see the heart of God there in that state? That's, that's what I see. That's what I hope you'll see. That in spite of all of this that's gone on, in spite of the fact that his, his loving, his, the, the creature that he made from the love of his heart, has fallen and doesn't want anything to do with him, wants to be their own little gods, God still loves them. That's an amazing statement to me. So what does this love of God do? Causes him to bring forth in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to, uh, I want to, I'll just read this for you, something that I wrote a good while ago, but I want to, emphasize something here about obedience. And we're talking a lot about obedience, and we're talking here about even the scripture says, let me read it for you again, for as by one man's obedience, I'm sorry, for as by one man's <coughs> disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What I, what I want to capitalize on here for just a second is just this word obedience that we don't get a misunderstanding. While the Bible places strong emphasis on obedience, it is critical to remember that believers are not justified, that is, made righteous, 
by our obedience. Salvation is a free gift from God and we can do nothing to earn it.